1: Because they want a union, a ruling from an NLRB judge against the top man at Starbucks. Meanwhile, the Labor Department investigating Tyson and Purdue Farms for child labor violations by their subcontractors. And today on the show, we check in with Teamster Local 777 outside Chicago, Illinois, and the UAW's Region 2B Director for Ohio in Indiana. Welcome to the Thursday, October 12th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Jim Glimco is going to be our first guest on the show today. He serves as president of Teamster Local 777. They're just outside uh, Chicago, and uh, he's got some good news to report. They recently announced that his local reached tentative agreements for workers at five. That's right, five different dispensaries owned by Vera Life, which is a subsidiary of PharmaCan. There's a lot of organizing going on by the Teamsters and various other unions, Food and Commercial Workers Union also involved in organizing cannabis dispensaries. We're seeing a big trend here to legalize medicinal marijuana and even recreational marijuana and the workers in those plants, well, they deserve good wages and good benefits. Jim is quoted as saying, this is a good example of how and when employers work with us, we collaborate in a productive manner and it benefits the workers. So congratulations to everyone on the bargaining committee who worked incredibly hard to secure such a great deal. Now these uh, agreements, and we're going to get into some details when we bring Jim on the show, covers workers in the stores of Romeoville, Ottawa, Rosemont, Chicago, and Arlington Heights, Illinois. All have very significant improvements. Ready for this? 20% wage increases over the lifetime of the agreement. Like I said, we'll get into some uh, some details on that when we bring Jim on the show. It's a real uh, storied history for that local. Jim's grandfather, Joe Glimco, is the guy that started the local back in 1937. He was an organizer and co-founder of two unions back then, the poultry handlers and the poultry drivers and fish handlers. And then, years later... He shifted gears and helped found Chicago's Taxi Cab Drivers Union, which eventually became 777. Second guest on the show is David Green. David, he's been on before. He's Region 2B Director for the United Auto Workers. He's had that position for about a year now. And uh, he goes back to 1989 when he joined UAW Local 1112 in Lordstown, Ohio. Boy, I tell you, that plant has seen a lot of history. I remember when they went online back in the late '60s. If you remember, the Chevrolet Vega came out of that plant. Then there was the Cavalier, the Cobalt, and then the Cruise. And then they shut the plant down. And he's traveled around the country. He's now based in Indianapolis. And uh, he's going to talk about what's going on with the UAW strike. And I'll tell you, there's a lot going on. In fact, uh, it expanded last night when the union surprised Ford with a major escalation of its strike, ordering workers off the job at the company's largest plant. This is in Kentucky. Late last night, the union told 8,700 workers to strike at the Kentucky truck plant which builds some of Ford's most important vehicles, including the F-Series pickup, as well as its full-size SUVs. Sean Fain, the president of the union, said, We've been crystal clear on this. We have waited long enough, but Ford has not gotten the message. It's time for a fair contract at Ford and the rest of the big three. And if they can't understand that after four weeks, well, the 8,700 workers shutting down this extremely profitable plant will help them understand that. Now, Ford, they told reporters that the UAW had called for a negotiation session with the company yesterday. And that official said the union wanted a different offer from Ford from what it had presented before. Well, after a brief discussion That actually lasted only a few minutes. Sean Fain told company officials, well, if that's all you got, you just lost the Kentucky truck plant. Meeting ended, and he told everybody to walk out. Again, this is a uh, very profitable plant. By hitting them, the union is going after a much more profitable part of Ford's lineup. The vehicles of the plant produce annual revenue of $25 billion for the company or about one-sixth of its overall global revenue. That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. Now, the other story, Samsung and Stellantis plan to invest more than $3.2 billion in a new electric vehicle battery plant. This is in Kokomo, Indiana. The facility which is Stellantis's six battery plant, announced globally, was largely expected, but the location and timing, well, it's kind of notable because it was made <laughs> right now when the auto workers are on strike. And Sean Fain, by the way, is from Kokomo. Battery plants have become a main issue in the labor talks as the UAW views EV battery jobs as crucial to its long-term viability. And it reported just a Day ago, or was it two days ago, the General Motors agreed to include workers at its EV battery plant in the company's national contract with the union, which Fane called a transformative win. No doubt about that. That was a very, very contentious issue. And he expects that Stellantis and Ford will follow suit. The plan was to draw down engine and transmission plants and permanently replace them with low-wage battery jobs. Fane said that on Friday. Well, we had a different plan, and our plan is winning at GM, and we expect to win at Ford and Stellantis. Stellantis declined to comment on details of those talks, but the new battery plant is the second to be planned in Kokomo. This is through a joint venture between the automaker and Samsung called star plus energy. The two plants expected to create 2,800 new jobs. According to the company, the first facility two and a half billion is now under construction. It is scheduled to begin production during the first quarter of 2025. The second, probably two years later, we're seeing a lot of these, uh, joint ventures and sadly, because they're foreign countries. They try to go non-union, and that's why it's so significant that Fain cut that deal with General Motors last week. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by Boyd Waterson Asset Management. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. On Friday, an NLRB judge ruled that then-Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz violated labor law by encouraging workers to quit because they engaged in union activity. How about that? In April of last year, here's what happened. Schultz invited several Long Beach area Starbucks workers to what he called a partner collaboration session, where one of the baristas, Madison Hall, called out the company's open NLRB investigations and anti-union practices and asked Mr. Schultz, If he was willing to be honest with his workers, well, he replied that he was there to be, quote, 100% honest and transparent. And that if you're not happy at Starbucks, well, you can work for another company. That's what he said. Brian Gee is an administrative law judge for the labor board. And he found that that comment constituted a threat of discharge for engaging in pro-union activity. A chilling admonition that Hall's exercise of protected speech was incompatible with continued employment at Starbucks. That was what the ruling stated. This, by the way, is number 30, the 30th decision by a labor board judge to go against Starbucks, but it's notable for finding that the company's outspoken former CEO and now chairman emeritus personally, personally violated labor law, by the way, Starbucks can't appeal and you know, they're going to do that. The department of labor is investigating meatpacking giants, Tyson foods and Purdue farms as part of the agency's investigation into child labor violations by subcontractors, the wage and hour division, which is a division of the department of labor is probing the companies amid allegations that Virginia subcontractors are employing children as young as 13 to work overnight to clean equipment at the company's plants. The uh, labor department has investigated and closed cases involving over 4,000 children employed illegally in dangerous working conditions this year alone. But the decision to investigate the two companies is the first time the agency has attempted to hold a parent company liable for subcontractor child labor violations. Thus far, contractors and major brands have been able to avoid joint liability for these violations through contracts and franchise agreements. They try to insulate themselves from the people that uh, that do the hiring. However, the uh, Department of Labor's investigation suggests the agency will argue that the companies are, in fact, joint employers exerting enough control over the working conditions of subcontractors' employees to be considered liable for labor violations related to them. And Several labor advocates say holding these companies liable could incentivize them to set minimum labor standards for subcontractors and ensure compliance through regular audits. I hope they really tear into this case. I mean, that's ridiculous. 13 years of age working overnight? Certainly taken advantage of, no doubt. And, uh, here's a great story after closing last year in response to its employees, attempted unionization, Darwin's LTD Darwin's limited, which is located in Cambridge, Massachusetts has reopened as a worker owned collaborative last month, September 12th, approximately nine months after Darwin's shut down mid union negotiations. Four former Darwin's employees launched the Circus Cooperative Cafe at Darwin's former Putnam Avenue location. The employee-owned cooperative welcomes hires to become worker owners after six months of employment and is committed to extending to its workers a say in business decisions and a share of profits. So, they closed the store because somebody, well, they wanted to try a union there, and they said, well, we're, we're going to just shut down. Workers bought it. Now workers are the bosses, and they're sharing in the profits. You're seeing a lot of that happen on all parts of America because wages are low and benefits are lousy. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jim Glimco. President of Teamster Local 777. Back in a few minutes.
0: This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com.
2: It takes Layuna to build North America's infrastructure. That's allyuna.org
1: America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at CWA-Union.org.
0: There is unity and strength for workers.
2: We are the U.S.W. We are the
0: U.S.W. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers standing strong and fighting for what's right.
1: America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org.
0: This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options
1: for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org.
0: Now, back to Ed Flash Ferencz with America's Workforce.
1: And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or X. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. And you can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to uh, Chicago, Illinois, just outside Chicago. Joining us is Jim Glimco who is the proud president of Teamster Local 777, website real simple, Teamsters777.org. Jim has been president since 1991, and talk about a storied history. And uh, Jim, I'll tell you what, why don't you uh, reflect on your grandpa here? We, we talked about this, and I can't remember the last time you were on. But we get a lot of new listeners to America's workforce. In fact, now we're in the top one percent of all podcasts, so you got a pretty good audience here. But uh, if you would, if you would take us back to the 1930s, boy, I tell you, that's when that's when unions were really, really getting very, very militant, and we're seeing some of that today, especially with the UAW but your grandpa was an organizer. Take me back to that time, Jim. Well, well you know, my grandfather's
3: a very interesting guy. And I was lucky enough. I, you know, he lived uh, to be about 81 and I got to work with him for a couple of years and I he was your typical grandfather. So I, I knew him really well that I loved my grandfather uh, so much, but you know, he grew up, you know, in Chicago in the Bridgeport neighborhood, one of eight kids during the great depression and uh, you know, his parents had a house with a dirt floor. And he, uh, the way he started, it's kind of interesting. I mean, he graduated sixth grade and then he, uh, became a newspaper boy and he had a newspaper stand, uh, by the, uh, Bismarck hotel, downtown Chicago. And he would walk from Bridgeport every morning to Bismarck hotel, which, you know, the ge- geography, it's, it's, you know, it's a it's a probably a 40, a 40 minute drive, but he had to walk that every morning, uh, to work when he was a sixth grader. And, uh, I was in Washington DC one time and looking at one of the museums down there and they were showing a thing on child laborers and they had the newspaper boys and one of them looked kind of like my grandfather. So he was, he worked at a very young age. He always worked, uh, up until he was about 75 years old. He he would work seven days a week with with the union movement. So when he started in the labor movement. He actually started, but you know, before the Wagner act was uh, signed in 1935. Mm -hmm. So pretty much, um, Everything he did was illegal, because <laughs> I mean there were no laws allowing unions at the time he started, and you know they they fought their way to to fought the way to get out of the uh, Great Depression and to build uh, a future for himself and his uh, his coworkers.
1: And I know he uh, organized the uh, the cab drivers, and uh, at one time didn't they have like about five thousand cabbies back in the fifties, something like that? They had about ten thousand. 10,000. Wow.
3: Yeah. I mean, first, he first started, he first organized a poultry workers union Uh that he had, uh, in the early thirties. And then he was called, you know, they they asked him to get involved with the cabs when they were organizing. And so then he was involved in starting the cab drivers work union in 1937, which was very rough. I mean, (laughs) cabby wars back then I think they called it, uh, uh, fighting and all that, but they organized and, you know, when they were teamsters, the cabs in Chicago, they had a pension and they had health insurance Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and they had a lot of really good rules. And, uh, it it was a good job. It it was a good job.
1: Well, you, you had to fight for those benefits and you still have to fight today to keep those benefits. I mean, that's, that's what unions do day in and day out. So let's, let's fast forward to, uh, Today, how many members do you have in 777 now, Jim?
3: Oh, about 3,500 members. Okay. Uh, and we're uh, our membership is mostly factory workers, uh, school bus drivers, and cannabis workers.
1: Okay, well let's let's talk about those cannabis workers because uh, I see the post here recently on the Teamster website that uh, you've done some good work and uh, you've reached some agreements at five different dispensaries. And I guess there's a lot of contracts out there. You mentioned 17 of them, but let's zero in on this. What is it called? Verilife? Am I pronouncing that correctly?
3: Sure. What? Verilife is uh, a big, a big uh, a company in the cannabis market and they have a, a bunch of locations. We have five different dispensaries of Veralife. and, uh, they are organized, you know, separately but we pushed to organize, you know, together. And, uh, it was a long, long fight, but we eventually did get them under contract and people got really good raises. Uh, we addressed a lot of issues with staffing and how they are scheduled and all their, you know, their other benefits and, uh, working conditions. So it's a really, it's a really good contract. There's a lot of issues that people have working in the dispensaries.
1: And what what are at, those issues? Can you get into that? You know,
3: yeah I mean a lot of it is like uh, you know the 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 cannabis industry is still a new industry so you've you've got a lot of workers who go into it because they really really like the cannabis industry they, they like cannabis they like uh what it does a lot of them a lot of the workers have had medical issues and they and they use the cannabis to uh to cure their medical issues or to treat the medical issues that they have. So they really believe in what they're doing and they want to be in that industry. So they get into it. But then the industry, you know, they, they work at these registers and they, they take in so much money every day that they see that how much stuff they're selling. I mean, sometimes, you know, workers will sell, just on one register in one day, more product than they, than they get more a dollar amount of a product more than they get paid in that day which is really crazy. Mm-hmm. And they get paid for the whole year. I mean, so they, 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 see all this money and they get paid lower wages. So what we're trying to do is push this industry to make the jobs and the dispensaries a good job. So we want people to want to be in the industry because they like it, but also because it's a good job right now they're in it. Cause they like the industry. There's a lot of turnover because they, they can't survive on what a lot of the locations are paying. So we've gotten really good increases. You know, with the big companies we've done, there's several bigger companies we've negotiated and you know, we've gotten overall, you know, increases in their contracts, you know, you know, some are 20, some are 22%. I mean, overall, from what they were making. So it's really, we're really changing what's going on.
1: What were they paying their workers prior to this, uh, this new contract?
3: So somewhere like 15 and $16 That's a- life, I think was in the, around the $16 range.
1: What about benefits?
3: Uh, So let me tell you one other part of this with the money, because there's another really big part of it. So with like three of the big companies that we, that you have multiple locations that we have, one of the big issues was that for whatever reason, you know, companies have different ideas on how to do things, but one of their ideas was they kind of want to run a dispensary and they want to make it, someone almost the, the workers felt like almost like an Apple store going into it. And, uh, one of the issues they had is that, you know, some of the bigger companies were not allowing the workers to accept tips. And there were a lot of customers who, you know, they come in, they talk to the workers for a long time about what they need and they want to tip the workers. And so we got three of the big companies to change their, you know, program and allow tips and, and, and the tips, uh, you know, the tips are, you know, pretty substantial. So, you know, and you know, just what I've heard from the workers and all that and different locations. I mean the, the money they get in tips, depending on the location are like between four and $7 an hour uh, hmm. just getting that. So that's a big, big change we did besides getting the raises, uh, allowing them to get tips, you know, at, at these locations is really a big deal. And yeah, uh, I think customers like it better because, you know, when someone gives you good service, people like to, to do that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's great. How long did this take? And I see in, in one of these uh, cases there, if there was a ULP and unfair labor practice strike at some of these dis, dispensaries, I mean, it sounds like they were playing pretty, pretty nasty here for a while. Right.
3: You know, yes. So, I mean, the, the negotiations were all very difficult and there's, there's, they say the average, uh, first contract negotiations about 408 days. So I think most of our negotiations kind of, you know, went went to that length, most of them did not all, but most of them went, you know, over a year to get a contract. We did file UOPs at a lot of locations. Uh, we had a strike with uh, GTI for like 13 days at three locations. Uh, one of the other locations revolution, we had a one day strike. Um, so we, we, we have had a lot of, uh, unfair labor practice charges, but then, you know, the funny thing when you negotiate, yeah, you, you do this, you fight, you fight, you fight. And, and then, you know, some kind of a miracle happens at the end, you all come to an agreement and then you come to an agreement and then you, you know, then, you know, we're all working together to try to have good labor relations. So it really, uh, it's worked out good. You know, they, they the companies are adhering to a good grievance procedure that the workers have and stuff like that. They're implementing the changes to the contract. So, uh, yeah, in the end it, w- it worked out good, <laughs> but it was, yeah. but it was, a, it was a big battle. It was a big battle. So these negotiations, at the end of the day, instead of ending up in a truce, we end up, you know, in a, in a, in a deal where, you know, everyone really agrees to work together for the better good of the, the company and the workers together so that you're, the company's honoring the things in the contract. And the workers are getting the, the higher wages, the benefits, you know, the working conditions. So we, we work. It ends up not just the truce, more like a partnership that we're all going to work together to make this uh, a good place that they can all stay there for a long time for the future.
1: That's what we want. We want a good end result. And obviously you got that. Jim Glemko, yes. president of Teamster Local 777 outside Chicago, Illinois. Teamsters, that's plural, 777.org is their website. We'll continue with Jim later in the show. We're going to check in with Dave Green, who is UAW Region 2B Director. Not 2B Director, it's 2B. And that covers the state of Ohio and Indiana. And we'll talk about the UAW strike, which actually expanded in Kentucky. More to come right here on America's
2: Workforce.
0: This is America's Workforce.
2: It takes Layuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities. LIUNA members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by LIUNA at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A.
1: o r g. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign
0: and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an
1: American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the IronWorkers. You can find more at Ironworkers.org.
0: Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferrens.
1: And remember, you could check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora when you get an opportunity. Here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. Always, always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go back to uh, Chicago, Illinois, just outside Chicago. That's where uh, Jim Glimco is situated. He is president of Teamsters Local 777, and they just uh, organized some cannabis workers. And we're seeing that across the United States of America, and a lot of it has to do with the uh, Poor working conditions, low wages, $15, $16 an hour. And they secured a uh, agreement for workers at five different dispensaries owned by Vera Life, which is a subsidiary of Pharmacan in Chicagoland, as they say. And they'll uh, represent about uh, 100 workers. Now, are we ratified with that? Is this a done deal, Jim, or what? You know, it's ratified. It's ratified. Good, yeah. good, good. But there's still work to be done. Uh, you, you said that there's a lot more that you're working on. What? Uh, yeah. Where do we stand right now with the other dispensaries?
3: Yeah, and there's a lot of dispensaries out there. So we, we also organized with uh, Cresco, with uh, uh five other locations, and we did just rat, We just ratified uh, four of those. The fifth one should be ratified this week. So, which is really good. And Cresco is one of the big leaders in the in cannabis too. So we've got that, Uh, we've got uh, with Ascend, we've got a couple locations with Ascend. Uh, We've got GTI, we ratified three other contracts with three other dispensaries. Uh, With uh, Zenleaf, Uh, we organized two of the dispensaries and we got them under contract. So, and all these took a long time. All these were big, big fights and the workers really held together and really stuck and there were a lot of things they told us we'd never get, we'd never get, they'd never do, but... In the end, you know, they, the companies did what they had to do to get a good contract. And some of the things we push with the Teamsters, besides just the wages and the benefits, we push the contract language to make sure we have really strong language. Uh, especially we, we push a successorship language. It has to be in there. It has to be strong. Um, we have to also have language where the workers can honor picket lines. So those are two things that we really, really push and will not uh, bend on. Uh, but there's a lot of other dispensaries opening up in the Chicagoland area, and we're actually out there going after the dispensaries and other parts of the cannabis industry. Uh, we think this is going to be a, a big, big industry for a long, long time. It's evolving and we want to evolve with it. And, uh, we expect, you know, this is just the beginning of what we're, what our organizing is doing. We have, we have hired three workers out of the, uh, cannabis industry. And one of the really good things uh, for my local is, is that, you know, with the workers in the cannabis and there's a lot of guys there that are really sharp. Uh, I would say maybe 25 percent of the guys are college educated that are working in dispensaries. And, and these kids are really actually kids, but these young adults are really sharp and really uh, big on social justice and different things. So it's really it's really a great group of workers to have, you know, with you. So I'm really excited to represent them. And uh, it, it's a lot of fun and we've been able to hire people out of there and they're really uh, you know, top notch. So I think it's going to be a big, they're going to be a big boost to the labor movement, but w- maybe one of the big things I should talk about that is like with labor right now, and what's going on. I, I think that you, what you're seeing is there's a young people's movement in labor. Uh-huh. And when you yep. look at cannabis, you look at Amazon, you look at Starbucks, uh, you look at even some Apple stores organizing. These are all locations where it's predominantly younger workers and younger workers who are, you know, socially, uh, you know, they're, they're really into social justice. They, they know they've got a raw deal. They, they know their deal bad. They know these companies are never going to change unless they do something. And, and on all these younger people, they look up everything on online. They research everything. I mean, I, I mean, every, what jobs paying. I mean, all the, all the pay scales for what people get paid are all on indeed. They look at indeed to see what other companies are paying for everything. Right. So it's a very educated group of workers and they get it and they know that they want better. They want to, they want to, you know, be able to pay their bills, live somewhere nice and have, you know, what everybody else wants, but no one's going to give it to them. And they mm-hmm. realize that. So that's why they're, they're flocking the labor unions. You know, they're calling us, you know, and there's a lot of a lot of stuff is that, you know, in the past we, we'd have to, you know, really push to go out the locations. These, these things are coming to us now that workers are really seeing what's going on and they realize, you know, without a union, I'm not going to get ahead. Yep. So yep. It, it's a, it's a great time. And I think this is going to really revitalize, you know, the labor movement in a different way that people uh, can ever imagine.
1: Jim, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I've been saying on the show that the pandemic has uh, changed everything. And uh, I'd like to get your point of view. I mean, especially with young people organizing. Do you think that was a game changer here? And then you add on the militancy of our union leaders. I mean, in in your case, Sean O'Brien, look what he was able to accomplish at UPS. I'd like to hear your point of view on on what's happening now and what the future holds, especially for young people. Go ahead.
3: You know, I think it's really an exciting time. And I, and I think that like Sean O'Brien is the ultimate, you know, labor leader, you know, for this time with his militants and everything else. And, and that's, that's, he represents the movement. I mean, he represents, he really represents what the people are thinking and what the younger people are thinking right now, because they want to get what they, what they need to make a living and and they're willing to do whatever they can. I mean, some of these younger kids, I mean, you know, they're, they're living, you know, they're trying to pay their bills, apartments, you know, and, and, and is housing is really expensive. You know, they, they've gotta do something, they have to. So there's, you know, so there's some things that are, I mean, these companies, all their all the financial information in these companies is all over the place and they look it up, they see that. I mean, I was in one, one uh, negotiation, one of the younger guys, you know, said before the negotiation that, you know, this company's stock price, Doubled in one year, and they want to mm-hmm. give us, you know, a lousy raise. Yeah, so, I mean, people see what's going on, so they're going right. to fight for what they deserve, and it's really exciting, and I think it's really a fun time. But I do see, you know, more militancy. I do see more strikes. I do see more, uh, more job actions. You know, I do see that's uh, that's that's the future. But the other thing that happens too, which is crazy, when when you get a good contract in an industry, when you're organizing the whole industry then the next company coming along, you know, they're, they're right next to you and they, they want to, they want to pay a little more to keep you out. And then your company goes up higher and then the workers there realize they don't have all the other things that are in that union contract. And so then they want to organize and then, then you're, you know, there's a competition for the workers and the competition for the workers, you know, with the unions pushing it, you know, that that out that helps force the wage pressure up which is what we want to sure. do
1: yeah yeah everything is an open book today i mean everybody can find out what somebody else is making or the ceos a perfect example here is when the uh, the big three automakers gave themselves raises of 40 percent, and then sean Fain said hey if you can do that, so can we. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what's going on right now. So, yeah, it's It's an exciting time, no doubt about that. Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. Jim Glimco, president of Teamsters Local 777, 3500 strong. And uh, let's, uh, let's come back and do another segment sometime down the road. I know you do a lot with uh, school bus drivers. Is that going okay so far,
3: briefly? Yes, there's a story there, too. It's a lot of stuff going on, but it's going
1: good. Good, 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 good. We'll pick up on that and more. So you stay safe, stay strong, and stay in touch. Okay, brother?
3: Very good. Very good. Thank you. Have a good
1: one. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Dave Green is Region 2B Director for the UAW. He is coming up next.
0: You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens.
2: It takes LIUNA to keep America running.
1: America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org.
0: Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections.
1: America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT.
2: America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd-Waterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWaterson.com.
1: America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at LiUNA.org.
0: Now. Back to Ed Flash Ferris with America's Workforce.
1: And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or X. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, always connecting people with employment. You can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to Toledo, Ohio. This guy's traveling all over because he is the director for Region 2B and that is the UAW we're talking about. David Green, who's been a UAW member going back to 1989 when he was a summer helper at the GM Lordstown Assembly Plant. We talked about that when we had him on the show some months ago. David Green, thanks for joining us here. Boy, I tell you, intre- you got to be a really busy guy here. I know you're based in uh, Indianapolis. Region 2B covers the state of Ohio as well as uh, Indiana. Uh, what's taking you to a Toledo today? Why, why don't we start right there? Go ahead, brother.
4: Yeah, so, well, I mean, our our main office is in Toledo. I travel back and forth. Uh, I work out of the Indianapolis office and the Toledo office every week. Uh, obviously, they've got a big strike going on up here um, in Toledo, Local 12. Local 12 has uh, 12 units that are out, right? It's not just the Jeep plant. Um, but, uh, 11 other different units are out up there and uh, we're just working to try and make sure we get all those members, um, that they're getting paid and,
1: and how are they holding up right now? I mean, we're uh, four weeks plus into this. Yeah. Well, some folks are tough,
4: right? Uh, the, the, the people who are specifically on strike and receiving strike pay, uh, that's, 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 they're doing great. Um, but uh, we've got some of the other smaller third-party units like SBM, Clean Harbors, Dana, Mako, uh, Adiant, Synchron, Oakley, Piston, uh, Dyson, Crump, and, and, and those members don't work for the big three. Um, they're laid off at these part suppliers, and and, and you know they're not going to have any advantage uh, with this contract resolution, right? They just go back to work. Uh-huh. The contract won't impact them. So they should be collecting unemployment, and we're struggling with the Ohio Unemployment Office right now, making sure these people get paid. So it's been a, a lot of focus last few days, making sure these members get some some money. there's four weeks now with no, no check at all, right? Yeah. So,
1: so um, are you at all surprised on this stand-up strike? I know you were – well, you've been around a long time, and we had that strike against GM – what four years ago in 2019? This this one's a lot different, Dave. Uh, I'd like I'd like you to speak to that.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's I've never seen anything uh, like this. We've never done anything like this, um, you know, in the UAW. Now the, the strike itself, this isn't a new concept. I know the AFA. AFA in um, 1993 did something similar, and other unions have done similar strikes. Um, but uh, I, I think it's refreshing. It's good. Obviously, we took the companies by surprise yesterday, uh, walked out Ford Kentucky plant, and, you know, President Payne. we want to get this done. We want to get our people back to work, right? Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, these companies will recognize we're just looking for that right offer on the table, and we can get everybody back to work.
1: Yeah, that was a, that was a surprise. I read about that earlier. We're talking eighty seven hundred workers at the Kentucky truck plant, which is uh, probably Ford's most profitable plant, not just not just in the country but in the world. I mean, that's where they make the big trucks, and they're making a whole lot of money on those. Did you uh, did you at all see that coming? Because I bring that up because uh, it seemed, and maybe you could correct me here if I'm wrong. It seemed like things were going well with Ford as opposed to GM and Stellantis. And then all of a sudden this hiccup, what, uh, what can you say to that?
4: Yeah. So, you know, I've been following this closely, obviously talking, uh, you know, with the vice presidents and other international executive board members. And, and it's, and it's interesting, right? Cause at first it was like Ford, Chrysler, GM, then it was, you know, Chrysler, Ford, GM, and then GM kind of leapfrogged everybody. And so we're looking at GM is doing good. And then, Chrysler, Ford, and I mean, it, it moves around, and that's it's, I try to explain that to people uh, when they ask, "How's it going?" or "What do we got?" And you got nothing until you have an agreement, um, right? Because uh, deals go back and forth across that table pretty fast sometimes, and you know, you can have something one minute and you don't have it the next. So it's bargaining. It uh, takes time, and I think uh, you know these companies are going back and forth, which is unique. As, as, as opposed to the old strategy of just picking one, work it out, and everyone follows, like, you know, that, that didn't work for us in 2019. So we're trying to do something different here.
1: Well, let's, uh, if you don't mind, talk about uh, these battery plants. And um, Sean Fain, i got to hand it to him. I mean, this guy's got some guts. He, I guess he held uh, GM's feet to the fire, and they agreed to include workers at its EV battery plant. And I know he's trying to get Ford and Stellantis to do the same. Um, that, that's pretty monumental in, your, in my opinion. I'd like to hear your point of view.
4: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, our, our members in Lordstown, Ohio, uh, which is my, my hometown, uh, you know, we've got Altium, the Altium plant there, which is the only union lithium-ion battery uh, manufacturer in the United States right now, currently, today. Um, you know, we're, we're, there's a lot more coming online and we'd like to be uh, the leader and having the best workforce in those lithium-ion battery plants. So making sure that they fall under national agreement languages will have the best health and safety uh, protocols, protocols and standards throughout the industry um, along with probably some of the top wages, benefits, uh, and, and, you know, that builds a future. And, I, you know, people are, wow. Oh. You know, they talk about our money, I try to remind folks that, uh, you know, the more, the more you make, the more you pay in taxes, uh, the more you spend at the store. So, uh, being that our economy is 70% based on consumer spending, we want workers to make a good living wage, right? We want them to, to, to make enough money where they can pay uh, into the taxes so that schools, firefighters, uh, police officers and departments in those communities are sustainable. And so working uh, towards better benefits and wages is, is huge for us. And there's going to be a bunch of these battery plants popping up, <clears throat> excuse me, all over the country. Um, I know I'll have at least three in Indiana, and there's uh, at least two and probably three coming to Ohio. So big stuff, big, big stuff for us. Transformation will help, uh, help our members transition into the uh, EV strategy. It'll help the people that are currently working there. It helps the next generation um, move into good, sustainable jobs.
1: Yeah. You mentioned, uh, Indiana and, um, uh, I see Stellantis and I guess that this is a joint venture with Samsung to invest mm-hmm. 3.2 billion in a new EV plant. This is in Kokomo, Indiana, and they already got one under construction there. So that, that is the wave of the future. My question though, Uh, how's every, how are the workers handling this? Because there's some, and you know, everything is political, Dave, you know that, and we're hearing some conservatives saying, Hey, you know what? These, these batteries don't last that long and we're going too fast. And these, the, the electric cars have less moving parts. So we're not going to have as many jobs, UAW jobs. What, what's your response to that?
4: Well, that's why getting these uh, battery joint ventures under a national agreement language is so huge for us because there are going to be less jobs. Uh, but you can, you know, the, the political folks can point their finger at whoever they want about the EVs. The, the reality is, the EVs are coming. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's you don't have to just look at here in the U.S. Look at globally what's happening with the electric vehicle market, and it's taking off right now. Now. Everybody's not going to want an electric vehicle. I don't see it. Like, you know, everything is electric in the future. Maybe I don't know enough. Um, but, but I think there's definitely a demand there and people are going to want them and you know, they're transitioning to it. And so either like get on or get off the train, but it's coming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, what's the next step here? Um, and I, I know you're not at liberty to lay everything out on the line here. I understand that, but uh, you've been you've been with the UAW a long time. Uh, first of all, let me ask you this: Are you surprised? Are you surprised the strike has gone this long? What What's your take on that?
4: Uh, not really. Look, the, the companies haven't really given the workers a decent contract. I mean, we made concessions to before the great recession, during the great recession, after the great recession. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and for the last 15 years have really had no gains. Um, you know, so, so, so they're not used to, um, giving us wins here. And so I, I, I didn't think they would be interested in it and really the only way, um, you know, I think the top CEOs and, and, and these guys understand anything as when it hits the bottom line. So when you hit the bottom line, they say, oh, well, like, wait a minute. Why, well, why would we lose billions of dollars over here when what they're asking for is only millions of dollars over here? Um, you know, you can, we can help them save money. Uh, they can get us all back to work. We're, we're not asking for to be millionaires here. Right. We just want to get a fair shake um, and, and get some of the gains that we gave up you know, yeah. 15
1: years ago. Right. Right. How are we doing on the, the two tier wages? I'm hearing some things maybe. Or, what, what can you tell me? I hear Ford was real close to eliminating that. Is that true?
4: Yeah, I think every contract, whether it's big, free, independent parts suppliers, or Focuses is, is being, as uh, an organization, is getting rid of those tiers, right? So it's yeah. none, of, none of it's going to happen overnight, and when we talk about any type of, any of this, it's over a four-year contract, generally. Maybe it's five years, maybe it's three years, depends on the specific contract, but it's over the life of the agreement. So getting rid of the tiers um, isn't going to happen tomorrow or next year, but at the end of all these next agreements is our goal is to get that out where people are all making, you know, you, you do the same job, you get paid the same money. And, and we should have never got away from that. Right. Um, the, the companies really sold us on that to help help them survive. And I think it was more about dividing our members than saving them money. And it's done a great job of that. Right. Yeah. It, it creates a lot of anxiety and division inside the facilities.
1: Well, I was reading a story you're in uh, you're in Toledo and that's where the Jeep plant is and I know one of the uh, workers there was a female. She was making a, I think just over 17 bucks an hour and she's doing the same job as somebody making more than twice that amount. The same job and and and, and on top of it the repetitive motion, uh, a lot of people we did a we did a show on that on Monday as far as the uh, the, the fact that they don't have, like, an ergonomics official. They used to have it some years back, but uh, there's a lot of injuries on, on the job because of that repetitive motion, and it takes a toll on your body over over a number of years, because and that's why we want to go with the 32-hour work week. Any progress on that, by the way? I, I know that's one of the issues. So what are you hearing on that? You know, the media really uh, likes to beat us up
4: on that. But I, I don't think anybody – well – I know nobody I know expected us to be working 32 hours getting paid for 40, uh, but the, the important piece here is that we had some conversation about work-life balance. Uh, and yeah. If you talk to some of the folks, especially here in Toledo, uh, Stelanus has been a huge abuser of this. I, I've talked to guys, who are working six tens for like 12 years, right? Being forced into work six
0: mm-hmm.
4: days a week, 10 hours a day. Years and that's come on. That's unacceptable. It's not good for your health, your physical, mental um, uh, health as a, as a as a person. You're not as active in your community. So you know, obviously, having that conversation about a work life balance is what we're looking for. Uh, personally, I'd like to see overtime over eight hours and no mandatory uh, forced overtime. Right. Let the people who want to work six and seven days work, and the people who have families or want to, you know, coach their kids. Uh, uh, softball, soccer team, or, you know, donate their time in the community at the, at the shelter, um, let them do that on the, on their weekends because it gives them some purpose in life as opposed to being forced, um, into working, you know, forced overtime. It's just, it's, uh, that's, that's where the 32 hour work week, um, is, is, is all about. And I think we'll have a little bit better work life balance coming out of this, uh, national agreement.
1: Good, good. Well, brother, you hang in there. You got our full support here on America's Workforce. We've been covering it just about every day here on the show. So, you know, one step at a time. One, so you'll, you'll eventually get there. And Not, not everybody's going to get what they want, but I'll tell you, so far you're doing pretty good, and you really surprised the big three. So uh, you hang in there. Stay strong. Okay, brother?
4: Yes, sir, yes, sir, and uh, have a great day. Appreciate the support, and you guys stay safe out there.
1: You got it. David Green, Region 2B Director for the UAW. Do check out the national website. A lot of good videos there. A lot of good videos there. And the public still supporting the UAW. Four out of five people supporting UAW, brothers and sisters. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, the Teamsters Southern Division and labor attorney Andy Strom. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day.
0: That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find
2: out more information online at labortools.com.